Hi everyone, this is Matt Price, one of the hosts for the longest-running Dynasty-focused podcast on the planet, the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Each week, we'll bring you an episode packed with relevant and actionable Dynasty information that you can use to help win your league. When I'm in the host chair, we might even play a game or two. We are always open to topic suggestions, so if there's something you'd like to hear us discuss, please let us know. Thanks for listening. And the DLF family of podcasts. This is the Super Flex Super Show. We're missing the brain power of James the Brain as we prepare for week two of the NFL and fantasy season. And there's a reason we call him the brain. He is literally the brain on this podcast. I'm just kidding, of course. That's not true at all. The truth is, Mr. The Beard, a.k.a. Travis Rasmussen, also has a substantial cerebrum of his own. Besides simply anchoring his illustrious beard as it reaches for the center of the earth, his beautiful mind is also cranking out fantasy football podcasts five days a week in easily digestible quantities without sacrificing quality. Hopefully you've already been listening to the Travis NFL Fantasy Football Show, but for those who haven't, we're going to use this shorthanded episode to give you a sneak peek at the Travis NFL Show as Travis breaks down the Week 2 NFL schedule and analyzes those fantasy matchups. Without further ado, Travis the Beard. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 26 of the Travis NFL Fantasy Football Show, where I deliver fantasy advice in 30 minutes or less, or it's free. I'm your host, Travis Rasmussen. You can obviously follow me on Twitter at TravisNFL. Thank you for downloading. Thanks for pressing that play button. I'm here to bring you short and quick fantasy football advice every single weekday of the NFL season, five shows a week, every single day. So make sure you're tuning in every day and make sure you're subscribed to the show as well so you don't miss any episodes. We got a full show today, so we're going to dive right into the league news. This show is going to be the fantasy matchup preview for week two, so we're actually going to go through every single single team in every matchup. So I'm going to skip all of the injury news updates and just hit on all those when we get to that specific team. All right, like I said, we have a jam-packed week two matchup preview show. So I'm going to skip the Thursday night football recap as well. I'll cover that game along with all the other games in the regular weekly fantasy recap on Monday. So let's dive in right into the matchup previews. I'm going to go through each matchup one at a time. I'm going to talk a lot about Vegas lines, the over-under of the game, the spread, the implied team totals, all that kind of stuff. And that's essentially just to give us a good insight as to what we can expect out of these teams and how we can expect these games to go game script wise. And then I'll go through each player one team at a time and talk about if they should be in your lineup or not. I'm also just going to skip the main studs that you're starting every week, like Todd Gurley, Antonio Brown. So let's start off with the one o'clock Sunday games. First up, we have the Panthers at the Falcons. This one has an over under of 44. Atlanta is currently favored by five points, which is a pretty significant margin. Carolina's implied team total is 19 and a half. Atlanta has an implied team total of 24 and a half. Panthers wide receiver Curtis Samuels out with an injury. There's no timetable for his 
Ray's return. So for the Falcons players, Cam Newton should be in your lineups this week. We can't really use the Falcons week one game against the Eagles as any sort of barometer on the Falcons defense against quarterbacks because Nick Foles was terrible. Cam Newton didn't have a very good game in week one. He finished as a quarterback 14 against Dallas and he only threw for 161 yards and no touchdowns, but he has that rushing floor as well as rushing upside. He ran for 58 yards and a touchdown, saving his fantasy day. So Cam Newton's still a fine start. You're starting Christian McCaffrey. Devin Funches should actually be a good start this week as well. After only catching three passes for 41 yards in week one, largely due to the Greg Olson injury and absence. In the games that Devin Funches played without Greg Olson last season, he averaged 14.19 PPR points per game versus the 9.61 points per game when Greg Olson was playing. So that injury is pretty significant and should be huge for Devin Funches moving forward. That Curtis Samuel injury opens up a few more targets as well. Ian Thomas is a decent stash right now with Greg Olson out, but don't start him week one. For the Falcons, Devonta Freeman did not practice again Thursday or Friday, so looks like he's going to miss the game. Matt Ryan was one of my quarterback sits on yesterday's start and sit show, so check that one out if you want the complete breakdown on Matt Ryan, but I'm finding other options this week if I can. With Devonta Freeman likely sitting out this game, Tevin Coleman would be a solid running back to start. Coleman would still be startable if Freeman's active, but he'd be more of a flex type play. As of right now, though, it looks like Devonta Freeman's not going to play, so fire up Tevin Coleman. Mohamed Sanu and Calvin Ridley are both droppable, in my opinion, in redraft leagues, so I'm definitely not starting them. Austin Hooper's a low-end, low-ceiling tight end streamer essentially every week. There's probably better options available on the waiver wire. Next up, we have the Colts at the Redskins. This one has an over-under of 47.5. That's one of the highest of the week. Washington's currently favored by 4.5 points. Indianapolis has an implied team total of 21.5, and the Redskins have an implied team total of 26. The only news update here is Marlon Mack remained limited at Colts practice on Thursday. So for the Colts players real quick, Andrew Luck is a must-start at this point. He didn't put up a crazy gaudy stat line last week, but he put up a decent one, and he finished as the quarterback 12, and he showed that he's back and he's good to go. So start Andrew Luck. If Marlon Mack does suit up this week, we shouldn't start him or Jordan Wilkins or Naheem Hines if we can avoid it, at least until we see what adding Marlon Mack back into that backfield situation does to all three of those guys. It becomes just a super muddy and low ceiling situation all around. T.Y. Hilton is still a high ceiling wide receiver to play, despite going up against Josh Norman. Jack Doyle and Eric Ebron are both startable again this week, as they will be most weeks until we see one of them separate from the other one significantly. Jack Doyle's the high floor check down PPR option, and Eric Ebron's the high upside down the field and red zone option. Ryan Grant is the wide receiver two here. He caught eight of his nine targets last week, but his upside is pretty much nil, and he should be considered a floor flex play at best in PPR leagues. For the Redskins, Alex Smith is in a great spot this week. He's at home. The Redskins are favored, and he's going up against a bad Colts secondary. Alex Smith is a great fill-in quarterback this week. Adrian Peterson and Chris Thompson, believe it or not, are both almost must-start players this week. Game script and volume, along with the ability Adrian Peterson showed us that he still has last week, point to AP having another good game. And the Colts just allowed Joe Mixon to rack up 95 yards rushing on just 17 carries in week one. They also allowed five catches for 54 yards to Mixon, and Chris Thompson was on fire in the passing game last week. Chris Thompson's the more volatile player, but the upside is awesome. Start them both. The receivers for the Redskins, however, are a different story. Alex Smith just doesn't prioritize throwing to that position. He's shown us for years now that unless he has Tyreek Hill with Pat Mahomes nipping at his heels, he prefers throwing to the running backs and the tight ends. Jamison Crowder led all Washington wide receivers last week, but just with 32 yards receiving on three catches. I don't see how Crowder, Richardson, or Doxson are startable until we see a favorite target emerge out of those three who we could realistically project for seven plus targets on a weekly basis. And Jordan Reed's a must-start tight end every week that he's healthy. 
Next up, we have the Texans at the Titans. The over-under in this one's 44 and a half. Houston is currently favored by two. Houston has an implied team total of 23.25, and Tennessee has an implied team total of 21.25. The news updates for the Texans here. Will Fuller practice again on Thursday, and DeAndre Hopkins remained limited at Thursday's practice. Both of these guys should play. The Texans overall had a pretty underwhelming game in week one. Deshaun Watson threw for just 176 yards, but he did throw a touchdown, and he saved his fantasy day with 40 yards rushing as well. Watson has a good opportunity opportunity to improve on that this week though going up against the Tennessee Titans defense that just allowed 230 yards and two touchdowns to Ryan Tannehill last week throw Deshaun Watson back out there one more time Will Fuller's looking like a true game time decision this week and should probably be avoided even if he is a last minute activation he has insane upside but we should probably just wait and see him play a game first Lamar Miller actually had a really good game on the ground last week but didn't score and only caught one pass which led to him finishing as the running back 26 on the week despite rushing for 98 yards at 4.9 yards per clip. He's an every week starter as a high floor running back too and has upside to become more if the Texans can reignite this offense in the next couple weeks. We should avoid Marcus Mariota this week. He was one of the most dropped players after week one and I can't really blame anyone for that. Now he was obviously injured and missed most of that game in week one but even before that he didn't look good. He threw two picks before his exit and even though it looks like he'll play in week two he's now coming off of an injury and he just lost Delaney Walker. You can't start him despite him playing at home against the Texans who allowed the second most fantasy points to quarterbacks last season. Deion Lewis is an every week start moving forward in my opinion after seeing 21 touches in week one and playing like a beast on those touches and finishing as the running back 10. Derrick Henry will have his weeks and there will be weeks where Deion Lewis disappoints. That's going to happen in any split backfield but Deion Lewis should be in your lineups. There's always a chance of a good Derrick Henry game any week that the Titans are in a position to feed him 15 plus carries but his floor as we saw last week is a abysmal, and he was clearly the worst running back on this team last week. Derrick Henry should be considered a low-floor running back three-type play. Corey Davis is in a good spot this week after seeing 13 targets in week one. He didn't do all that much with them, but that should adjust itself moving forward, especially now with all these Delaney Walker targets getting opened up. Corey Davis should be in your lineups. And for Jonu Smith, let's just wait one week to throw Jonu Smith out there. Let's see what happens. Next up, we have Eagles at Buccaneers. The over-under in this one's 44. Philadelphia is currently favored by three points. Philadelphia has an implied team total of 23.5 and Tampa Bay has an implied team total of 20.5. But let's start at the top here with Nick Foles. This is a great matchup for Nick Foles, but you are a braver man than I am if you start Nick Foles. He looked horrible last week and he's still without Alshon Jeffrey this week. He could have a good game against this bad Bucks secondary, but it's not worth the risk. Jay Ajay is the only running back that should be in consideration this week. Let's just hope that Doug Peterson remembers that he's the best running back that they have and they should give him the ball in the first quarter as well as all of the other quarters. Darren Sproles was super involved last week and should play this week as well, but should be considered a low ceiling option in PPR leagues only, and a pretty deep option at that. Nelson Aguilar is the de facto wide receiver one for the Eagles again this week, and he should see volume again as well. He saw 10 targets in week one. He caught eight of them, but only for 33 yards, which is pretty insane. He's a fine flex play again in PPR and should be able to do more with his opportunities this week against the Bucks, who just allowed over 10 yards per reception to every wide receiver on the Saints last week. For the Buccaneers, the only news item here is Deshaun Jackson returned to Bucks practice Thursday. He was limited. So Ryan Fitzpatrick, I talked about why Ryan Fitzpatrick should be on your bench or better yet the waiver wire in yesterday's show. Don't start Ryan Fitzpatrick. Deshaun Jackson and Chris Godwin are both super risky plays now that Djax looks like he's going to be active this week. If Jackson misses this game, Godwin becomes an upside flex play even in this bad matchup against the Eagles. Peyton Barber is the unquestioned running back one on this team for the time being. He saw 19 of the Buccaneers 22 
running back carries last week, but he only managed 69 yards, he didn't score, and he wasn't targeted a single time in the passing game. Barber will see the bulk of the carries on the ground, but that might not be worth much against this tough defense who just limited the Atlanta running backs to 55 rushing yards in week one, and he could be game scripted out of this game if the Eagles lead like they're supposed to. Peyton Barber is a low ceiling running back three this week, and in a game last week where Ryan Fitzpatrick threw for 417 yards, OJ Howard was limited to just two catches for 54 yards, and Cameron Brait didn't catch a ball. Stay away from these tight ends in fantasy, at least until Jameis Winston is back on her center. Next up, we have the Chiefs at the Steelers. The over-under for this one is 49 and a half, the highest over-under of the week. Pittsburgh is favored by four and a half points. Kansas City has an implied team total of 22 and a half. Pittsburgh has an implied team total of 28 and a half. So for the Chiefs, this is a tough matchup to gauge for Patrick Mahomes. On one hand, he's on the road. The Chiefs are underdogs. The Steelers were ninth best against the quarterback position last season, and they just limited Tyrod Taylor to 197 passing yards and one touchdown in five quarters of football last week. On the other hand, Mahomes just shredded the fourth best defense against the quarterback position last season in the Chargers last week for 256 passing yards and four passing touchdowns in just four quarters of football. There's a legit chance that Mahomes comes back down to earth a little bit after just the one game sample size in what is a tough matchup on paper this week, but I think he's definitely worth throwing the upside dice on again in week two. Just know there's a chance we come away disappointed. Sammy Watkins is on the bench until we see decent targets going his way. Travis Kelsey, despite killing our fantasy teams last week, should still be started at least another week, strictly on talent and history of production. Everyone has bad games. Let's hope week one was just one of those for Kelsey. He still saw six targets. Onto the Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger was sidelined from practice on Thursday. Big Ben's just being his dramatic usual self here. He'll be fine. And he's a strong quarterback play this week. He's at home. The Steelers are favored. And he's playing a Chiefs defense who allowed the seventh most fantasy points to quarterbacks last season and just got demolished by Phillip Rivers last week to the tune of 423 passing yards and three touchdowns. Le'Veon Bell still hasn't reported to the Steelers facility, so James Conner remains an absolute must start in this awesome matchup. Juju Smith-Schuster is a great wide receiver start here as well. It looks like as of right now that Vance McDonald is finally going to play a game again for the Steelers this week. He's still a great stash player, but we should avoid both Vance McDonald and Jesse James in his first game back. We don't know how much work McDonald will get in this first game, but it's probably enough to not risk starting the already low tight end streamer in Jesse James either. Next is Dolphins at Jets. This one's a pretty low scoring game, 43 and a half point over under. Jets are currently favored by three. Miami total is 20.25. Jets total is 23.25. The only startable Dolphins this week and most weeks, honestly, are Kenny Stills and Kenyon Drake. With Devontae Parker back, Kenny Stills becomes even more boom bust than normal. And despite his huge game last week, we still need to keep in mind that he only saw five targets and that was with Devontae Parker sidelined. Stills remains a boom bust flex play. Kenyon Drake had a disappointing week one and despite Frank Gore leading in rushing yards, Drake is still the clear running back one on the Dolphins and saw 18 looks to Gore's nine. Even if the Jets are somehow awesome again for the second week in a row and beat the pants off the Dolphins, Drake is also the passing downs back and this is a good running back matchup on paper as well. Kenyon Drake should still be considered a solid running back two this week. This is strangely one of the games I'm most excited to see play out in week two for two reasons. I'm excited to see how Sam Darnold is going to perform after his impressive rookie debut and I'm super excited to see if Quincy Anunua remains the true high volume wide receiver one for the Jets like I suspect he will be. It's risky starting a rookie quarterback in his second game ever so we should probably avoid that. Quincy Anunua was one of my wide receiver starts on yesterday's show so he'll be in my lineups this week over most other wide receiver three options. Isaiah Crowell and Bilal Powell should both be considered low floor flex players 
plays in this decent matchup just because the split here is so real and that means the touches are going to be limited for both of these guys. Next is Chargers at Bills over under 45 and a half. The Chargers are favored by seven and a half points, the highest margin of the week. Chargers implied total is 26. The Buffalo implied total is 18.5, the second lowest implied team total of the week. Let's start with the Chargers. Start them all in this game. Seven and a half point road favorites is insane. Phillip Rivers is coming off a fantastic game and obviously has a great matchup here again. Melvin Gordon and Keenan Allen are obviously in your lineups, but Austin Eckler and Mike Williams should be in lineups as well in this one. For the Bills, we have the complete opposite situation. Don't start any of them. Literally none of them. It's possible that rookie quarterback Josh Allen provides a little spark to this offense, but my hopes are not high. Kelvin Benjamin saw seven targets, but they were bad targets, and they'll be bad targets again. He's an absolute desperation flex play at best. LaShawn McCoy is in for another rough week again. The carries here for McCoy will likely be limited as the Chargers should and are projected to blow the Bills out of the water, and the Chargers just limited Kareem Hunt to 49 yards on the ground last week. Again, the only way McCoy has a good game is if he catches a bunch of passes. And for tight end, Charles Clay didn't record a catch on his two targets last week. He can't be trusted again until we see it. Onto the Vikings at Packers. This one has an over-under of 46.5. Green Bay is favored by 2.5 points. Minnesota's implied total is 22. Green Bay's implied total is 24.5. So for the Vikings, Kirk Cousins is a must-start along with Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs, and Dalvin Cook. The only question mark here really is Kyle Rudolph, who was one of my tight end sits on yesterday's show. It's a good matchup for all of our Vikings players this week, except for Rudolph, who's up against the Packers defense who just held Trey Burton to one catch on six targets last week. Anyways, great matchup all around, and Cousins showed us last week that he can and should not only produce for himself, but provide the upside we need for all of these other Vikings weapons as well. Aaron Rodgers should play this week, but he'll be playing on a bum knee. Devontae Adams should play, claims he feels fine, but he's still dealing with a shoulder injury, and the Packers are growing up an elite defensive opponent. This could get ugly for the Packers. That said, I'm still sticking with my never, ever, ever sit Aaron Rodgers statements from last week. You just can't do it. Devontae Adams should still be started, but expect a limited ceiling with all of these factors in play. Randall Cobb is still in play as a wide receiver three for us. I'd probably recommend against playing Geronimo Allison in this game just because he's at least third in the pecking order, and again, this matchup is as bad as it gets. Jimmy Graham was a tight end start for me on the starts and sits show yesterday, so he should get another week in our lineups. Go listen back to yesterday's episode for the full breakdown on Jimmy Graham. Jamal Williams is a main guy here on the ground at least for one more week, and he at least has a chance of getting into the end zone. He's startable as a flex play, but barely, and really only for the chance of a touchdown. Next is Browns at Saints. This one has an over-under of 47 and a half, one of the higher over-unders of the week. New Orleans is favored by seven points. That's the third highest margin of the week. Cleveland's implied total is 20.25. The Saints implied team total is 27.25. That's the second highest team total of the week as well. I've talked about Tyrod Taylor quite a bit this week, and I'm avoiding him in fantasy largely due to his poor play in week one and the risk of a benching, honestly, despite his good statistical output as the quarterback six in week one, which was largely buoyed by his 77 yards and touchdown on the ground. Carlos Hyde was a running back sit for me this week as well. Jarvis Landry's a must start with that kind of volume, but I'm giving Josh Gordon one more week on my bench, despite reports that he should be more involved in week two. Same thing with David Njoku. I love David Njoku as a player, and his upside's fantastic, but he should be riding the bench on our fantasy teams until we see it at least once. For the Saints, the only news item here is Ted Ginn returned to practice on Thursday. This one's pretty easy. Start all of the Saints in this home game in which they are seven-point favorites in a great matchup. Okay, so by start them all, I guess I mean to say that Ted Ginn Jr. and Benjamin Watson are good starts this week on top of the usual three fantasy studs. Ted Ginn Jr. has a hold on the wide receiver two role at the moment, 
development, and he's a good upside play. And Benjamin Watson was a tight end start for me this week as well. Full breakdown in yesterday's show. Next is Lions at 49ers, over under 47.5. San Francisco's currently favored by four. Detroit's implied team total is 21.75, and San Francisco's team total is 25.75. Let's start with the Lions here. Don't let one game get you off of Matthew Stafford. Everyone has bad days, and even though Stafford most certainly did have one of those, we have a large enough sample size of Matthew Stafford to know that he's good, and he should be able to bounce back this week in a good matchup against the Niners. I don't love the idea of actually starting any Lions running backs, but this is a good matchup, so one or possibly two of these guys could end up having a good game. Theoretic is a fine low ceiling flex play in PPR. The 49ers just allowed six catches for 55 yards to Dalvin Cook last week. Carryon Johnson's my favorite running back here in this backfield, as I'm sure he is for many, but he hasn't earned a large enough guaranteed workload for us to be comfortable starting him. That said, he has the most upside, and I'm okay flexing him as well. LeGarrette Blunt could get into the end zone, but there are better options out there than LeGarrette Blunt. All three Lions wide receivers are good starts, and even though Marvin Jones was the odd man out last week, he still saw eight targets. Golden Tate is Golden Tate, and Kenny Galladay is certainly a high upside wide receiver three play after what we saw from him last week. All of the news items for the 49ers are Marquise Goodwin related. More on him in a second. It's wheels up for Jimmy G this week. We all knew last week would be rough for the 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo, and he still managed to throw for 261 yards. He just also happened to throw only one touchdown and was intercepted three times, and he was sacked three times. The Detroit Lions are a below average defense and should provide a good opportunity for Jimmy G to finally show us the upside we've been buying into for 10 months. Alfred Morris is in a good spot this week against a Lions defense who just gave up 177 yards and two touchdowns on the ground to the Jets running backs last week, and Alfred Morris was one of my running back starts on yesterday's show as well. Marquise Goodwin is looking like he may actually miss this game, which obviously opens up some targets for the other wide receivers here, but we have no idea which one will benefit and be the one we want in fantasy. I would lean towards Pierre Garçon if I had to pick one, but Dante Pettis would be involved as well, and he certainly has more upside than Pierre Garçon. Both guys are flexible this week if Goodwin sits, with Pettis being the risky upside play. George Kittle could have benefited majorly from a bad matchup for the wide receivers in week one, but he's practically a must-start tight end after seeing nine targets last week. Next is Cardinals at Rams. This has an over-under of 47, fourth highest total of the week, but the LA Rams are 10.5 point favorites, the largest margin this week by a long shot. Arizona has a total of 18.25 points, the lowest implied team total of the week, and the Rams have an implied team total of 28.75, the highest implied team total of the week. This one is going to be ugly, man. Sam Bradford might get benched. David Johnson and Larry Fitzgerald were the only two startable players for the Cardinals already, but now they face a terrible matchup. That said, you're not benching David Johnson. He is that offense, and he'll be involved even when the Cardinals are down by three scores. Larry Fitzgerald is hard to bench as well, as he's the only real receiving option on that team and should see volume, but he's definitely benchable this week in one of the toughest wide receiver matchups possible. If you're buying into the Jared Cook 12-target, 180-yard performance being a result of the game plan against this Rams defense, who is a nightmare for receivers, then Ricky Seals-Jones is definitely in play after his six targets in week one. He's a high-risk, high-reward tight end streamer this week. If you listen to yesterday's show, then you know that Jared Goff is one of my QB starts this week, and that Brandon Cooks is one of my wide receiver sits this week. And that leads me to Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, who are both solid wide receiver two plays against the Cardinals, who other than Patrick Peterson have a very beatable secondary. They were middle of the road against wide receivers last season, but with Peterson likely covering Cooks the majority of the game, the Rams will have no problem shifting targets to Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, who both received one more target than Brandon Cooks did in the season opener anyways. Next is Patriots at Jaguars. Over under of 45 in this one, New England's favored by a 
point. New England team total 23, Jacksonville team total 22. It's always tough anytime a top quarterback goes up against an elite defense. And in this case, the defense that was number one against both fantasy quarterbacks and receivers last season and maintain most of their defensive players. Last week against the Jaguars, Eli Manning certainly did not have a good game, but he did throw for 224 yards and the wide receiver one and running back one both had great games. Tom Brady is infinitely better than Eli Manning. And if he can throw for 224 yards, but also tack on two touchdowns or maybe even three touchdowns, which isn't crazy to think is possible, then he should be just fine. Chris Hogan saw one target last week and now he has to face Jalen Ramsey. That's a pretty easy sit decision right there. Philip Dorsett was the productive wide receiver last week, but no way he should be cracking our lineups in this bad matchup after just one game of fantasy relevance his entire career. Despite the good stat line from Saquon Barkley against the Jaguars last week, 64% of his rushing yardage and his touchdown came on one fourth quarter run. Now, I know that run actually happened, and it's not fair to just take it away from him, but just to give us an idea of how tough a matchup that was for him the rest of the game, if you omit that one run, Barkley rushed 17 times for 38 yards the entire rest of the game. That's also 2.24 yards per carry. My point here being that Jacksonville bottled him up for three and a half quarters, and they're a tough matchup for running backs too. Rex Burkhead may or may not clear the concussion protocol in time to play this Sunday, and whether he does or not, I'm looking for another option at running back over Rex Burkhead if he's back, or over Sony Michelle if somehow he's active and Rex is not. James White is also a solid flex play in PPR leagues. For the Jaguars, Leonard Fournette is a game-time decision, and Austin's Ferry and Jenkins were made limited in Thursday's practice as well, but he should still play. Blake Bortles put up 176 passing yards, one touchdown, one interception, and 42 rushing yards against the Giants in Week 1. Deshaun Watson put up 176 passing yards, one touchdown, one interception, and 40 rushing yards against the Patriots in Week 1. That is crazy. Now Bortles is facing the New England Patriots in Week 2. You can probably find a more reliable option than Blake Bortles pretty easily this early in the season, and that's probably the right move here, but Bortles has a decent floor and occasionally will come out of nowhere and have a great game. I'd be okay rolling him out there this weekend. We won't know if Fournette's going to play until probably Sunday afternoon, and that's a 425 p.m. game, so if you have TJ Yeldon on your roster, you're fine. You can just plug him in if Fournette sits. If you don't have Yeldon, though, you may have to make that call before the early games. If you want to take the risk and wait for Fournette, it's certainly risky, and even if he does play, there's a risk of re-injury as well, but I don't blame you for waiting. In both instances where he missed time last season, he received 17 or more carries in his first game back, so if he's healthy enough to play, he should see significant work. Don't start any Jaguars wide receivers if you can avoid it. It's low-volume passing offense to begin with, and as of this moment, there's no clear number one option. Austin Safarian Jenkins saw five targets last week, but again, low-volume passing offense, and New England was top nine against the tight end position last season. Next is Raiders at Broncos over under a 45. Denver is favored by four and a half. Oakland's team total is 20.25. Denver team total 24.75. Only news item here is Marshawn Lynch was upgraded to full practice. He should be fine. But for the Raiders, don't start any Raiders this week. It's that simple. Sure, one or two Raiders players will have decent fantasy production, but it probably won't be Derek Carr. It probably won't be Amari Cooper, and it probably won't be Marshawn Lynch. All these guys are in another tough matchup. Marshawn Lynch is one of my running back sits for the week. I went into detail with him on yesterday's show. Derek Carr was bad last week and faces another tough matchup, and now he's on the road as an underdog, and Cooper can't crack our lineups until we see some signs of life there. I understand if you want to start Jared Cook, and actually, I lied. I'm okay with him as the one player to start in this offense this week. Even though I've said repeatedly that I think Jared Cook's production in week one was largely due to the matchup and the game plan going into the game, this matchup is very similar, and the Raiders could have a very similar game plan. Tough matchup for wide receivers, tough matchup for the run game, they should be trailing, and it's a good matchup for the tight end. The Broncos gave up the eighth most points to the tight end position 
last season, and they just let Will Disley go for 105 receiving yards. So Jared Cook is definitely startable, at least for one more week. And for the Broncos, we have another opposite situation in a stardom all team here for week two. Case Keenum and this whole offense is in a good spot as home favorites with a decently high implied team total going against the Raiders, who just allowed 33 points last week. Emmanuel Sanders is a must start. Demaryius Thomas is a good start. And both Royce Freeman and Philip Lindsay should get enough work in their respective roles to succeed and be good starts for us as well. Next up is Giants at Cowboys. Over under of 43 and a half, expected to be a pretty low scoring game. Dallas is currently favored by three. New York's implied team total is 20.25. Dallas's team total is 23.5. For the Giants here, the only question marks are Eli Manning, Sterling Shepard, and Evan Ingram. Eli Manning should have a better game than last week, but you'd really have to be in a tough spot to have to start Eli Manning as a road underdog against a Dallas defense that was top half against quarterbacks last season and who just limited Cam Newton to 161 yards passing. Sterling Shepard will have some games this year, but I wasn't a fan of him for 2018 in general coming into the season, so I won't love the idea of starting him most weeks. He's just an ancillary piece to this offense who will see five to eight targets a game and will sometimes do something with them, but who won't be able to be relied on in fantasy on a weekly basis. Evan Ingram has weekly upside, and in this matchup that is significantly better than last week's, he should be in your lineup if you drafted him as your main tight end, which you probably did. He should see more than the five targets he saw in week one as well. For the Cowboys, Dak Prescott really struggled last week and tacked on one more poor game to his 10 or so game stretch of looking like a bad starting quarterback. And although the Giants allowed the most fantasy points in the league to quarterbacks last season, Dak Prescott shouldn't be trusted until we see him look like an NFL quarterback again. Cole Beasley's literally the only other Cowboy here other than Zeke, obviously, who should even be in starting consideration. Alan Hearns and Michael Gallup need to have their involvement and their targets monitored and could be startable in the future, but no way they should be in your lineups right now. All right, our last game of the week is Seahawks at Bears, over under a 43 and a half. Chicago is currently favored by two and a half points. Seahawks team total 20.5. Chicago team total is 23. For the Seahawks, Russell Wilson is a must start quarterback nine out of 10 times, including this week. With Doug Baldwin out for several weeks, both Tyler Lockett and Brandon Marshall are both in flex consideration, especially after the Bears just allowed 299 receiving yards to the wide receiver position last week. Tyler Lockett's the high upside boom bust play here. Brandon Marshall should be a reliable high floor option moving forward, who also profiles as the best red zone receiving weapon for Russell Wilson at the moment. Chris Carson has a tough matchup on paper with the Bears allowing the sixth fewest points to running backs last season and limiting the Green Bay running backs to just 54 yards on the ground last week, though game script was a large factor in that game as well. That said, he clearly deserves to be used as the number one running back for the Seahawks. He played well last week in his super limited opportunity, turning seven carries into 51 yards on the ground. He's a fine running back three play. And in case I didn't make myself clear on yesterday's show, no one should be starting Will Disley after one fluke week. Just don't do it. For the Bears, the Seahawks looked to be a plus matchup for quarterbacks in 2018, and Mitch Trubisky looked good last week for about a quarter and a half. So there's a wee bit of upside here, but Trubisky doesn't need to be in starting consideration for fantasy owners just yet. Allen Robinson is one of my wide receiver starts for the week. So go back and listen to yesterday's episode for my Allen Robinson breakdown. Jordan Howard needs to be started. He played well last week. He should have a good enough game script this week as well to allow 15 plus carries to go his way. Plus the Seahawks just allowed 146 rushing yards in week one. Trey Burton had a rough start to his first season as a full-time starting tight end for an NFL offense. He only caught one of six passes, but I think you got to roll Trey Burton back out there again. He saw six targets in week one, which is nothing to scoff at, and he's still got a ton of upside. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed the show. Listen to yesterday's episode to hear the starts and sits for week two and tune back in Monday to hear the full fantasy recap of the week two games. Thank you for listening. Please go rate and review.
review the podcast on iTunes if you feel like being awesome. Also, make sure you listen to my other podcast on which I am also a co-host if you play in any Superflex leagues, the Superflex Super Show. Follow me on Twitter at TravisNFL. Let me know if you hate any of my takes on the players discussed here today. I'll be happy to discuss them with you further. See you next time. And with that, we're also going to wrap it up for the Superflex Super Show for week two of the NFL season and of the fantasy football season. Thank you to Travis for breaking down those matchups for us. And make sure to subscribe to his podcast, the Travis NFL Fantasy Football Show, wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, don't forget to give him a rating and review as well. And while you're at it, make sure that you're subscribed to the Super Show here as well and uh, give us a rating and review so that we can expand our reach and our audience, get out to more people and involve more people in the conversation so we can really zero in on the topics that are the most useful to you, the listener. And you can subscribe to the entire DLF family of podcasts all in one mega feed and get access to all of the great podcasts from DLF. So check out that DLF family of podcasts mega feed. Send us your trades on Twitter at Superflex Show. We can retweet them, help you get more votes and comments, more advice, and even analyze them right here on the podcast from time to time. And since we did such a condensed version of the of the matchup breakdown this week, um, we also invite you to hit us up on Twitter with some start sit questions. You can tweet us at Superflex Show or any one of us individually. Travis is at Travis NFL. James is at underscore James the Brain. And I'm at Superflex Dude. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the song The Addiction that we use as our intro and outro music. And above all else, thank you to each and every one of you for listening. Until next week, stay sexy and super flexy. Bye.